Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring on Angela Foster. These early warning signs are your body talking to you. Something is off, but that doesn't mean that you've got to follow and, and that that's going to become your future. It is difficult, but I guess it's a case of like, choose your hard, which is harder, living with those conditions or making modifications. Because let's face it, having healthy fats, high protein and moderating those carbs is actually going to be easier on you on the whole. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Hope you're having an amazing day today. Thank you for pressing play today. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today, we have a conversation all about performance, health, biohacking with a high-performance coach, Angela Foster. Angela Foster is actually a Keon coach with Ben Greenfield. She's doing amazing work in the UK and all over the world. She has an amazing, inspirational story to share with you. As somebody who struggled burning the candle at both ends, burnt out, sacrificing sleep, corporate lawyer, investment banker, developing PCOS, insulin resistance, and seeing how diabetes was running in her family, she made a decision to change. She also struggled with postpartum depression. She had three kids in four years, all cesarean section, not her choice. She's going to share the story, how she got out of the dark place. I asked her to give advice to somebody maybe who's listening to the show, who's going through depression. What can you do to overcome? She shares her perspective. I share my perspective. I used to be depressed and suicidal. Hopefully this lands with you and, and maybe you could share it with somebody you know is going through a dark place right now. And then we get into high performance. She has five pillars that are really masterful and the way she shared it was really brilliant in the acronym of SHIFT. So we get into sleep biohacks and simple things for you to improve your sleep, how to track your sleep metrics, hormones, insights, fuel, which is food, light, oxygen, and water and training your mind and your body and how important those thoughts are. She said something that I loved, which is treat yourself like an athlete. It is the greatest gift you can do for yourself. We also get into nutrigenomics and much, much more. This was such a fun conversation. You're going to love Angela. And when you're done, go subscribe to her podcast, the High Performance Health Podcast. Hey, before I bring her on the show, I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. Here's a five-star review from Mongoose1011 titled Educational and Entertaining. I've tried many diets over the years, including many of the popular ones. Even keto, I had trouble sticking with it. Ben is my virtual coach. He is passionate about health and helping you be successful in your well-being journey. 
He has high quality guests on his shows and provides a lot of insight. He has an approach of looking at being overweight as a symptom and an underlying health issues and which opened up my eyes. First, get your body healthy, then your body will naturally lose weight. Thanks, Ben. I'm excited about this adventure. Mongoose, I'm excited for you. Kudos to you. I'm so glad. I'm grateful to be your virtual coach. You're so right. The body gets healthy to lose the weight, not the other way around. Let's get away from the distractions such as excessive exercise and calorie counting. No, let's focus on cellular health, which is what we do on the podcast. And this episode talks all about that as well. Thank you for taking the time to listen and to leave the rating and review. If you haven't done so already, please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a big difference for the show. And hey, maybe I'll read your review on the next episode. All right, let's have an amazing conversation about high-performance health with Angela Foster. Angela Foster is a functional nutrition practitioner and executive health and performance coach. She's the host of the top-rated high-performance health podcast where she interviews the world's top experts in health optimization for high performance. She's a leading authority on biohacking, hormones, nutrigenomics, and much, much more. Here is Angela Foster. Angela Foster, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thanks so much, Ben. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with you. Thanks for making the exception and recording a, a late podcast over there in the UK. It's around, what, 8 p.m. there? Uh, coming up, it's just after 7. Yeah, after but seven. I'm kind okay. of, I don't know if you're the same. I'm quite an early morning person. So, um, yeah, I kind of, 5 a.m. is almost easier, right? I don't know if you're the same than, than 7, 8 o'clock at night, but I'm pumped. I'm ready for this. I'm excited. Me too. I do better in the morning as well. But either way, we're going to feed off of each other's energy. We're going to have a great time diving into the awesome work that you're doing. I know that you're a high performance coach. You're also a Keon coach with Ben Greenfield, who we had on the podcast. We love Ben. But before we get into all the cool things that you're doing and will do in the next years, you came from a pain to purpose to promise sort of story. A corporate lawyer burning the candle at both ends, on the go, grind, 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 develop PCOS in your late 20s, getting on you know, prescribed medication. So take us through this, the journey of the struggles you had, what you did to overcome it, and then we'll get into the cool things you're doing today. Yeah, for sure. So um, as you say, the, the first foray I had into health was when I was diagnosed with PCOS. And that was, I was in my late 20s. I was working really hard as a corporate lawyer in London, multiple time zones. So kind of running deals between London, Asia and America. And it was kind of like we totally sacrificed sleep. That was just the dumb thing in a corporate law firm. And I did that for many years. And then I went to an investment bank where it was really just more of the same. Uh, I was just on the trading floor. So you could be called at any moment. And then I kind of, when I first got diagnosed with PCOS, that was a bit of a shock to me because I'd never really paid that much attention to my health. I was really into fitness. I ate pretty healthily. You know, I used to cycle to work in the morning, work out in the gym pre-work. But it was, we had this strong family history of type 2 diabetes, and it was pretty scary for me hearing that I was being prescribed metformin, I had insulin resistance, and that I was going to actually need surgery for PCOS. And so I was kind of like, this just feels very early on. It was something that, you know, even in my family, although we had that family history of type 2 diabetes, it happened later in life. And so that really hit me a little bit, and I kind of 
that was my first thing about how can I start to find out and become my own biohacker, if you like, and sort of hold my, uh, solve my own health issues. So I started researching and understanding that there was a connection between PCOS and what we ate. And then when I had the surgery, I found out I had endometriosis. So that was all a bit of a shock. But at that point, I was going for partnership in the law firm. And I was also thinking of starting a family. So it was a big thing around fertility. You know, can I conceive my children? So I sort of set this goal after surgery, thinking I'm going to study sort of nutrition a bit on the side, work out how I can get healthy and, and try and go for those two goals of having my first child and achieving partnership. And I was like, whichever comes first, right? I'm cool with that. And then um, everything was a bit surprising, really, because I then managed to uh, get pregnant very quickly and ended up uh, making partnership when I was eight months pregnant so that was all a bit kind of chaotic shall we say and so then my after I had my first son my gynecologist said to me you know with endometriosis and PCOS you want to kind of have your next child try for your next child quite quickly because otherwise you might not be able to have a second one so we would encourage you to do that and so by the time I was due to go back after maternity leave I was already three months pregnant Um, which again, so it's just like my life had gone crazy. I was a new partner thinking I've got loads of marketing to do now, loads of extra responsibility. And I've got these two boys who did not sleep, had really bad reflux as babies. And this is where I kind of hit burnout. And I was actually really struggling at this point with postnatal depression or postpartum, I think, as you guys call it. And, um, but I wasn't really opening up or admitting to it. It was kind of my secret struggle because I was really in denial and things were getting quite bad. I was having therapy for it and you know they were saying to me you're doing too much you've got to calm things down and taking some time off work at this point and I was thinking god like (laughs) just getting out of bed and looking after my kids is a big deal I used to run multinational deals like what the hell is happening to me so I had some treatment and then after I had my third child it got really bad and I think there's such a connection as you know, between the brain and the body and and the impact of that and on your immune system, that things got really, really entrenched and bad for me that third time round. And this, this, I'd had three kids in four and a half years, so it was all quite quick. And then I, yeah, then I kind of, I got pneumonia and I was sort of rushed into hospital after a chest x-ray. They thought that my lymph glands were really enlarged. They were actually investigating, did I have pneumonia? Yes, but did I have something like lung cancer as well? So it was all kind of scary. And then I was just immediately, urgently admitted. And yeah, just double pneumonia on both lungs, viral and bacterial, it turned out. Fortunately, not cancer. But it was this bizarre situation where, you know, I was so depressed. I'd taken um, some time out from my profession. I was really struggling, not knowing what to do. All I wanted to do was just turn the thoughts in my head off. That was all I could think about. And so these thoughts of like suicide were coming so fast all the time. And then here I was in hospital, stuck with myself, unable to run away from myself. And it was a really defining moment in my life. And that was the moment it just changed for me. And I was like, I've got to nail this. I've got to like, now I've got my, not just my physical health, but my mental health to solve. And if I get out of here, I'm going to get myself really, really well. And that, and then it was everything I do now is really born from there. Wow. Yeah. Such a powerful share, especially because it's so relatable. So many people out there, women are suffering from postpartum depression and even guys are just, you know, this depression is rampant. Suicidal thoughts are rampant. Suicides are are all over the place. So for somebody listening who is dealing with depression, what would be your advice to them? What are their one, two, three action steps for them that you use for yourself to get you out of that dark place? 
So the first thing for me actually was, it's got to be acceptance, right? It's a struggle that you're having deep within you. And I think you've got to accept where you are, like anything in life. You can't move through it until you've accepted this is happening. And so you kind of, you can't be in denial, but also know that this isn't permanent. Nothing in life is permanent, right? The only thing, and I remember a therapist saying this to me, and it felt so curious at the time, but everything changes. The only thing we can be certain of in life is change. And so this too shall pass, right, eventually, depending on how long. But then you've got to kind of really look at how can I do the work and how can I get past this? Because you can feel so hopeless. Like for anyone that's listening, that's going through this, it can feel like you have this massive hill to climb. And also, do you even want to climb it, right? Do you even want to climb it at first? Because I just wanted to escape. I just felt reality was so painful and so hard. And honestly, for me, one of the biggest things was when I was in hospital and I had these very high fevers, and I think Dr. Joe Dispenza actually talks about this when he relates back to his childhood, that he used to love fevers because they would actually allow him to enter this sort of lucid state. And that was what happened to me. That's what made it so profound was that I first felt spiritually aligned. And that was definitely an area of my health. I always think with health, it's mental, physical and spiritual fitness. And I had neglected my spiritual health. And so I sort of slipped into this more, I guess I felt peace inside me. And so anything that you can do that helps to create those moments of peace are going to be helpful to you. And it, and it can be hard, right? Because we're looking at meditation here. If you want to run away from yourself, how the hell are you going to sit with yourself? That's probably what people are thinking, right? That's so hard. But sometimes it's just small moments that you can manage at first and not beating yourself up because there's this voice in your head that is telling you that everything you're doing is wrong. And so those would be the first two. The third one is to analyze those thoughts, to actually look at them. And sometimes you have to bring them on paper to be able to do that. And that was the CBT that I was doing is what is this thought that's coming into my head? Do I really know this to be true? Like, does it really, really stack up? And how can I know? And having to analyze those thoughts and really come up with a better thought. It was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was really, really hard. I had to do a lot of work. Yeah. And you're, uh, you know, you're, the, you're proving the point that you could get out of that dark place and you could accomplish great things and live a life on purpose with your purpose, which is what you're doing. Uh, I'm somebody who was also depressed and suicidal a long time ago. And I got out of the dark place and I look back and I imagine you look back and you see that everything is on the way. It was not never in the way. And it is all an opportunity to grow and learn. You said this too shall pass. That is absolutely correct. And I love those three steps, acknowledging that you're going through it. Number two, finding some sort of meditation, spirituality, spiritual practice to get connected with your body. And number three, analyze your thoughts and writing it down on paper and becoming aware of those thoughts. Because I believe our greatest power as a human being is our ability to choose a new thought. So we have those negative thoughts and depressive thoughts. We could choose better thoughts. And that's not the only thing you do. You don't just solve your problem that way, but it's a great step in the right direction. And a few minutes ago, you said there's a direct connection between your brain and your gut and vice versa, right? What's happening in the gut is determining what happens in the brain. There's so many studies that show irritable bowel disease, it's linked to depression. I think I saw a study, 21% of IBD cases were depressed, right? Because the gut and the brain is connected. So let's talk about the gut and how we could fix the gut. First of all, let's talk about 
how the gut and brain is connected and how depression is linked to poor gut, uh, or I should say gut dysbiosis, and then how can we improve the gut to help the brain function better? Yeah, you make a great point there. So, I mean, in terms of the gut, it's so important, right? About up to 90% of serotonin is made in the gut, right? And when you look at things, people, when when the doctors prescribe SSRIs, they're just trying to pull that serotonin. They're stopping it from being reuptake. And so what if you can help your gut to create more serotonin? That's so important. But then also, I think a really important piece in this is that when I was depressed, I don't know if this was the same for you, but I couldn't sleep. That was the most frustrating thing. So even though I had young children who were not sleeping a lot of the time, when I wanted to sleep, I couldn't sleep. And this is just awful because it makes depression worse. And so understanding that aligning your circadian rhythm, right, and getting that fixed, getting outside even when you don't feel like it, getting the natural light from the sun so that you've got that cortisol melatonin pathway and rhythm working correctly is going to be really important. And making sure that you've got sufficient levels of B vitamins so that you're able to methylate that serotonin into melatonin because the less sleep you have, the more depressed you become. And and that doesn't solve it. I remember, you know, my doctor saying to me, you need to get a night nanny for your third child because we don't want this to happen again. I did all of that and I still became very depressed. And I think there is a hormonal aspect here. I think there is also the fact that women are depleted of vital nutrients, but most particularly things like DHA in the brain. And so the pregnancies will repeatedly deplete. And what I found was, you know, I think they say it takes about two years for you to recover from one pregnancy. So if you have three pregnancies in four years, like I did, three sets of breastfeeding, three cesarean sections I had, not through choice, you're going to end up really depleted. And so you've got to really, really nourish yourself with nutrient dense foods and support your adrenal function, as well as your gut health to be able to get back on track. And and it's difficult because you're caring for this tiny little human, right, that you just 3D printed. And so now you're not thinking about yourself, but actually you really, really need to. Yeah, Angela, you're a rock star. Honestly, all moms out there are rock stars. I mean, I can't, I'm a guy, so I'm not going to go through that experience. My fiance will. But if you think about stress, just the word stress, there's three different areas of stress. There's mental, emotional stress. That's one category of stress. There's physical stress. And then there's uh, chemical stress. So there's three different areas. Pregnancy is involving all three of these areas. It's an emotional stress. It's a physical stress. You got a C-section, even if you didn't, it's a physical stress. And then there's a chemical stress because you're losing, you know, heavy metals, lead, et cetera. And that happening three times within four years, you said? Yeah, four and a half years. Yeah. That is, and the fact that you got over that and overcame that and as a powerhouse in this world is, is super inspiring and impressive. And I hope it's, in, it's inspiring to those listening right now. Honestly, it's, it's really amazing. You also shared, before we get into these five pillars I want to talk about, you also shared that you had PCOS. And we've had on the show, we've had uh, Nadia Padaguana and Dr. Felice Gersh. That was a couple of years ago, but we did do a deep dive into PCOS. I think it's time to kind of revisit this because a lot of people listening who have insulin resistance tend to have, women tend to have PCOS. Could, could you share a little bit about some of the things that th- those listening who have PCOS, what they can do to reverse this PCOS for good? 
Yes, and I think you can do that, just to say that, first of all, right? And do you think you can? Because I have. And I wouldn't have been able to conceive three children naturally if I didn't. And I remember each time my obstetrician, to, to my husband's horror, kind of lifting out because we were doing a C-section, my ovaries, and going, look, they look fine. You can have another one. And he was like, well, we're after the third. I think we're done here. <laughs> but um, you can have them so they're not polycystic. There's obviously different types of polycystic ovaries, right? But specifically PCOS, as you say, it's a syndrome and it's related to insulin resistance and I think that that's the that is in, in a way empowering I don't think we're ever necessarily going to truly get past it in terms of the way we handle blood sugar because I definitely still struggle with my blood sugar that and I'm and often you'll see me on Instagram I'm talking about my blood sugar I'm wearing a monitor because it is a battle and mine is very very sensitive so if I have you know unopposed carbs is going to rise much more quickly if I'm highly stressed or I'm underslept it's going to be baseline always higher, which I think it is in everyone. But I just think that some people are genetically more carb sensitive and particularly in women that have PCOS. What I did was I learned to moderate that blood sugar response, right, with lower glycemic foods and making sure that I was always having protein and healthy fats. That were those were the really key things, and they make you feel better, right? They're better for your cognition, as you know, right? It's what you what you share all the time, and I think the thing is as well is if you're if I'm having too many carbs, I'm going to feel quite foggy, and my brain doesn't function. I can't, you know make connections as quickly. I can't remember things as well. And I slow down because you're on this sort of blood sugar roller coaster up and down. And definitely, I think that was happening to me as a lawyer. So those years, historically, I was. And as a young child or a teenager, I think it's unfortunate. Often that's when the problems begin. You know, my dad was actually misdiagnosed with a heart condition. And so we were told to stay away from fats, which meant that naturally we were then raised on a more carbohydrate diet, which we hadn't had as young children. It was very like organ meat, it was amazing, organ meats, fats, all these things. And then you get a wrong diagnosis from a doctor, the whole family changes. And in someone, he ended up with type 2 diabetes. I ended up with PCOS. So understanding the mechanics of that and the fact that if your blood sugar is poorly controlled, when, you know, at the beginning of the month, you're having this rise in estrogen, and then in the middle of the month, you get this rise in lutensing hormone, which helps the egg pop out of the follicle. If you have high levels of insulin, lutensing hormone often doesn't get high enough. So you end up with um, an anovulatory cycle. So you don't ovulate, which is not good because then we're not producing enough progesterone, which is protective. Um, but also you end up with that cyst remaining. And eventually they become completely cystic, right? So what I had was ovarian drilling to basically burn off all these cysts and then drill holes in the ovaries to actually help me to be able to ovulate. Having said that, since then, I have not had those options, that, that those problems. They have not returned since I really got a handle on my nutrition and doing other complementary things like strength training that improves insulin sensitivity, really, really key, making sure you're aligned with your circadian rhythm, that you're getting a good night's sleep. All of those things are going to be helpful to people and women with PCOS in terms of managing it. Well said. You know, I hope that it's empowering for those who have PCOS. It's not a lifelong sentence, just like type 2 diabetes is not a lifelong sentence. Uh, is your dad still around? He is, yeah. Okay. Th thank God. Yeah. Um, so does he still have type 2 diabetes or what's his situation? He does actually. And, and it did. And a lot of his brothers have had it and they ended up with chronic kidney disease, which is very sad. 
and dialysis. And I think that's the thing, what I would say to people listening is realize that these, these early warning signs are your body talking to you. Something is off, but that doesn't mean that you've got to follow and, and that that's going to become your future, right? It doesn't have to happen, right? The epigenetics, the genes may load the gun, but it's your environment that's pulling that trigger. So if you can change that, and that's definitely what I've done. And as I say, I'm not perfect and I definitely see blood sugar spikes at things that I would hope wouldn't do it, but they do, right? I could drink a green juice, put a little bit of carrot in it with some ginger and my blood sugar will spike up super high. Whereas in my husband, it won't happen. It is difficult, but I guess it's a case of like, choose your heart, which is harder living with those conditions or making modifications. Because let's face it, having healthy fats, high protein and moderating those carbs is actually going to be easier on you on the whole. Yeah, well said. Choose your heart. Uh, you know, you're so right. It's going to take some changes and it might be difficult at first, but you're being proactive instead of reactive. It's much more challenging to reverse a condition versus preventing that condition. So when you're getting those symptoms, to your point, it's actually a blessing. It's your body showing you something is wrong. We need to go back to homeostasis. It's like the engine light showing in your car. You don't just knock out the light and keep driving. You pay attention to it and open up the hood and see what's going on. So we're talking about opening up the, the hood of the body, see what's going on. And we have these amazing tools available to us, these ancient healing strategies that we can use and these biohacking tools like a CGM. Is that something you use, a continuous glucose yeah, monitor? Yeah, exactly. To... I do. Yeah. Why is that valuable to you? I've used a CGM. And then also more recently, I've used the Lumen device to see actually with the respiratory exchange ratio, am I burning fats or carbs? And I know that a lot of people really struggle and they're like, why am I a carb burner all the time? And I will, because what you want is metabolic flexibility, right? Yep. You do want to burn carbs sometimes. You do okay. want to refuel first strength training. You do want to come out cycle in and out of ketosis to be metabolically flexible, right? But then how do you know you are? Well, how quickly do you transition back to fat burning? That's the key. And you can do it. Like for anyone listening that's struggling, I have like probably the worst genetics. I'm carb sensitive. I'm fat sensitive. You know, I've got you know, double copies of the FTO gene. I should be obese. All these things going on. But that just proves that with the right lifestyle and nutrition plan and fitness and et cetera, and everything that you talk about and that I talk about, you can get there. Yeah, well said. And you're not obese. If you're watching the YouTube interview with Angela, you could tell she's not obese. So like you said, we're in control of our genes. Our genes are like a dimmer switch. You could dim down the genes or turn them bright. So we have control over that, which is really empowering. Let's get into your uh, five pillars, right? A quote from you is, optimal health is foundational for high performance. And you're a high performance coach. Your website is AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You have your high performance health podcast, which is an amazing podcast. Uh, I'm going to be on there soon. And you have these five pillars that I want to kind of deep dive into each of these. You kind of touched upon a couple of them already, but the first pillar is sleep. Why is that on your list of essentials for you? Because it's the foundation. It's the one thing that's going to make everything else easier. It's not just super important and it's free. It's going to make everything else that you do in life easy and make you more successful. And I totally disabused it, right? Or abused it, should I say. I totally <laughs> abused it. And I think that if not through wanting to, I didn't actually want to. That's what life was like as a corporate lawyer. And it really was, the. it ruined me. <laughs> you know, not to put it mildly, it absolutely, you know, I don't, 
Would I, yes, we know, as we were saying, things like, you know, the depletion of things like DHA, the vitamins, the minerals, all these things in pregnancy, they all would have been there. But what about the fact that I'd absolutely hammered myself for so many years? I could have been in a better state, right, more replete before I began that pregnancy. I mean, we used to do crazy things as lawyers. Sometimes in the contracts, we'd write when we're up all night that we could correct any grammatical mistakes. And we know that sleep, lack of sleep, right, there's been research done, you create more mistakes i mean it's just crazy that was like the attitude of your colleagues like you earned a badge if you said i got this done in like three hours of sleep like bragging about less sleep was that the culture exactly and used to listen like if you went out you shouldn't leave the office you go out to the pub or the bar with your friends and leave your jacket on the back of your chair so when you came back you know it's still there the partners thought you'd been there and come back to work i mean just stupid stuff like i remember documents being typed as a young lawyer and i was in the gym at 3 a.m now how off is that for your circadian rhythm so bad yes so bad for you right how can you work out at that time but in your 20s you get away with it this is the thing and then in your 30s and now i'm in my 40s you're not going to get away with it forever so sleep is the foundation and i think the quicker people grasp that now i do think there are big differences and i know that when i look at people's genetic reports okay some people do seem to have a much higher sleep need and some people seem to need less some people are early morning types right some people are night owls but within that Generally speaking, most people need around seven or eight hours. Some people do need a bit less, but we know that if you go below six hours, there's so many studies to show that you really are compromising your health and compromising the way you look, right? You want to have enough human growth hormone, which in your 40s, that's pretty much the only time you're going to produce it is when you're in your deep sleep. So you need to be doing the things that you say, keeping insulin low so that you're, because if you've got lots of high, high insulin, you're not going to produce human growth hormone in enough quantities. And that helps your gut repair. It helps you build muscle mass. It helps your skin. You know, beauty sleep really does exist um, for that reason. And all the other kind of antioxidant hormones and fat burning hormones that are released during the night, they're so, so important and critical to health. And so sleep is the foundation. And I, I, you know, I look at things like people's aura data or whoop straps just to help them analyze and see, because I think you can pick up so many patterns, you know, just, just seeing like, is their heart rate elevated in the evening for quite some time after they go to bed? Is their heart rate variability like way low down? We're not seeing much variability until 3am. We know they're overreaching beyond where they should be because they're not bouncing back quickly. Mm -hmm. So sleep's the foundation. And that's really why it's the first pillar. That's great. I love that you analyze the data. It's it's so important. I, I look at my aura ring data all the time. And I, you know, when I have a meal too close to bed, I'll see a lowered heart rate variability. And I'd see my body temperature increase typically and less deep sleep. And then I would make the change and making sure I give myself more of a fasting window before I eat. And then I'd see that adjusted, right? So it's cool that we live in this day and age that we could review that. But like you said, sleep is free. So you don't have to look at all this data if it's not in your budget. You, it's a, it's a beneficial to see it, but you could just work on your sleep. How do you feel? Do you feel energized? Are you getting the results you want? Listen to your body. So maybe you, can you give just like three tips for optimal to better sleep starting tonight? Yeah, for sure. So how well you sleep tonight starts with what you did this morning. So first of all, go and get outside early in the day so that you're really regulating that cortisol and melatonin cycle. Um, so definitely go outside, get some access to natural light of the sun. 
very, very difficult here in the UK this time of year. <laughs> it's only like between about nine and four, if that. Wow. Um, but if you can, you know, even in midday, and we get loads of cloud cover, but right. still get outside as much as you can. You could always use red light therapy too as kind of a supplement, right? Definitely. Yeah. And I do. I do exactly that. I use red light therapy a lot more in winter. But then also remember as well, in winter, actually, you can see the sunset and the sunrise every day. That's a privilege. Because I used to get really feel like I had seasonal adjustment disorder. Whereas now I'm like, you know what? I might not be up at 4 a.m. in the summer to catch it. But I know I can get it every day that isn't a cloudy day in these winter months. So actually, that's a bonus. The sun comes up at 4 a.m. in the summer? Yeah, so light. And it wow. doesn't get dark till like 10, 10.30 at night. It's wow. Yeah, we get really long evenings. So you do get that. But, yeah. And you know, it's really interesting because light is bioactive in humans, isn't it? As you know, is what's so interesting is in summer, definitely need so much less sleep. Whereas now we kind of really almost go into hibernation. It's, it's a real challenge. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Miami, so we get sun. You're <laughs> right. so lucky. <laughs> and our, our sunset sunrise, are, they're, they're not that dramatically different between the winter and the summer. It's probably like an hour difference, uh, hour and a half difference. So, okay. So well, how you get your, your sleep quality is dependent on how you start your day in the morning. So yes, getting so morning first sunlight. one, first one, get outside. Definitely. The second one is to make sure that you limit blue light in the evening right so definitely 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 do that for at least two hours before bed if you can't power everything down and you still want to watch netflix then put blue light blocking glasses on it's so important but don't watch really overly stimulating things on tv because that actually keeps you up i don't know about you but if i go to the cinema i literally cannot sleep for about two hours after i get home yeah it's just so so stimulating when i watch a sports game that ends before bed um it takes me some time to fall asleep versus the night that i don't watch the sports yep yeah interesting isn't it Mm -hmm. and then i would say um also i mean there's a a range of supplements that i can recommend that i use yeah what are your go-to like what are your favorites yeah so my favorites that i like the combo that i just love is actually one tincture of reishi one tincture of chaga and magnesium that combo. Sometimes I'll add some taurine as well. That kind of helps sort of chill you out. It's nice um, amino acid, but uh, but definitely magnesium, reishi and chaga just helps me. With lion's mane, I've actually played with it because I do carry a POE4. So one copy of the gene that's linked to Alzheimer's. And because of the interesting studies in, in mice, lion's mane is kind of on my radar and it obviously enhances nerve growth factor in the brain but i find lion's mane actually i did get an uptick in my rem sleep however i find it it's almost a bit more stimulating i actually prefer it i don't know about you prefer it earlier in the day uh rather than having it last thing at night so you got more rem sleep with the lion's mane but it took you some longer time to fall asleep is what i'm hearing yeah a little bit and just a little bit more restless yeah i just didn't yeah I've seen lion's mane increase my REM sleep, but I've taken it at night and I didn't notice the negative effects. So for me, it worked fine, but I'm sure it's so different for everybody. I love those tips. Those are great tips. I mean, getting morning sunlight, whether it's the actual sun, red light therapy, both are beneficial. The second tip was, you know, nothing stimulating at night. So turning off the news, uh, opening up a book, listening to a podcast. And then the third tip is the right supplementation, reishi, lion's mane, um, magnesium, and chaga, all of those are great. Do you like to cycle on and off of those or do you take them every single night? How do you use those? So when I stop the mushrooms, actually, I notice a difference. I do find them just be like really, really calming. Sometimes I'll go through periods. I think most nights I take them, to be honest. I really do pretty much every night. I would say that 
For a long time, I didn't. And sometimes I think it is good to come off things just to give yourself a break, right? I definitely do. When I'm going through a stressful period in my life, like at the moment, I'm in a very busy period. So I'm more likely to supplement with things. Whereas when I'm kind of in more of an off period, less so. One thing I always do is make sure that I have at least three hours between finishing eating and going to bed so that I am more into that fasted, fat-burning state. Yeah, great advice. That should be for everybody. Three hours minimum of no eating before going to bed. I like the idea of cycling off of supplements too. Sundays are usually my day of no supplements at all. And then if I'm taking herbs or or adaptogens, I like to go on and off of those just so my body doesn't develop like a resistance to it. And the effect is always going to be there for me. So that's always a good idea. So great share. So that's sleep. That's the first one. We have four more to go. The second one is the way you nourish your body and the way you nourish your mind. I love how you put that together. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so they um, they come at the end. So I have hormones. If we take it in the shift order, but I can go out of order. Oh, so, okay, let's go into whatever order you want. So you, you lead it. Because this might be easier for people to remember. So the next one is H. So we have shift, right? So the H is a massive topic. I'm not going to go too deep on this because this is hormones. So this is really key. But there's so many hormones. We've talked a lot about insulin today. That's really important. But then so are your hormones, your stress hormones, which we've also touched on in terms of cortisol. We've looked at melatonin. I guess the ones that I would mention in particular for women listening who are in their cycling years is trying to optimize estrogen and progesterone. That's really, really important. So making sure you have a nutrient-rich diet and that you are not constantly stressing your body out. So all of like... A lot of the studies that are done on fasting, when I talk about fasting, everyone should fast for 12 hours a day, right? Pretty much. It's hard to think of an exception. Even children from five can do that. But when I'm talking about some people, I think are layering on too many quote unquote biohacks where and forms of hormesis where they're really stressing out the body. So they're like doing really cold exposure. They're doing like 20 hour daily fast. They're doing multiple hit workouts a week. They're on a very, very strict diet, ketogenic diet where they're always in deep mm-hmm. ketosis and never ever coming. And I think for those people, when they add all of those together for women, what I see is there's a disruption often in hormone function and sometimes thyroid function. And so what I would say for women listening is under understanding that yes you have your circadian rhythm but you also have this second rhythm the infradian rhythm which is on this roughly 28 day cycle and understanding there's times when you can push and times when you actually just it will be beneficial for you to dial things back so you know really the key thing to take away from that is at the end of the month when you're at the end of your luteal phase right before your period you in those last seven days to help optimize progesterone and keep that going and make the cycle length as long as it should be you are naturally more catabolic. You're naturally going to have higher levels of inflammation. So less high intensity exercise and start dialing things back. But knowing that anyway, you have more flexibility. You're going to burn about 250 to 280 more carbohydrates, uh, not calories, sorry. So you can be more flexible with carbs at that time of the month. You've got more calorie burning going on. You can kind of calm things down a little bit. So not going, we're not men who are on this circadian testosterone, you know, wake up with really high testosterone, really push the day and then kind of level off at the end of the day, go to sleep, wake up, repeat. We're not like that. We're a bit more complex. 
And so I think just understanding that we have all these different hormones that come together, ghrelin, leptin, you know, your hunger, your satiety, and really to think that I don't, you don't have to target any one hormone in particular, then you can throw the others off. But understanding they like an orchestra, right? And if you do the right things that we're talking about and that you talk about all the time, Ben, then you're basically going to conduct that orchestra to play a beautiful symphony. And that's what we want to happen. But that's really, that. yeah, that's probably a synopsis of horns. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I love it. It is an orchestra and you want to conduct it the right way, the way that it wants to be conducted. Yeah, I, I talk about that in my book, Keto Flex, you know, that week leading up to your period, you don't want to do excessive fasting. You want to get out of ketosis. You want to build progesterone. So that's a perfect example. Guys, and, and gals should do things differently. A lot of women are comparing their results to their husband or their male friend, and it's not fair to make that comparison. Like you said, cycling women have a 28-day pattern here for their hormones, and men, we're like on a 24-hour, like the sun goes up, sun goes down loop. So it's, it's so different, and we need to realize that. So you teach that very well. So H is for hormones. So we had SH, what's the I here? The I is really insights. So we talked again a little bit about it, right? So if you can track, if you don't have the funds to actually really start getting some meaningful data through things like lab work or aura rings and different devices, CGMs, all of that, you don't have to. You can just start with a journal. But understand, like you said earlier, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Do you feel energized? What did you do the day before? How did it impact your sleep? How do you feel when you wake up? What's the light coming in the room? Like start getting insights in a journal, just literally a pen and paper. How do you feel on certain days of the month? You know, do you feel like some for some women on their period, actually they have masses of energy. I think Paula Radcliffe broke, broke an Olympic record in marathon running on the first day of her period. For other women, it's just like, oh, cool. she's got to chill, isn't it? That's very I cool. I didn't know that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas for other women, it's like, actually, I just want to do yoga. I need to chill out and like look after myself. So understand and get patterns and see what's working for you. Become your own biohacker effectively. So those are really insights. And then if you have the budget, obviously, I love data. I just think data gives you something solid to work with. And I think it builds better compliance because people can actually really see things. Yeah. And so then that's a combination of the things we talk about in terms of things like CGMs, you know, tracking. Do you know, people under track their workouts as well, I find. Like if you're resistance training, track every single weight, every single rep, so that next time you can look back and you repeat that workout and you're moving up. This mm. this concept of progressive overload, right? We're not going to get any better. That's it. We if we don't know what our baseline is and how we can improve week on week. So it's really all about insights for me. The eye. That's great. So true. You know the workout part. I used to own a CrossFit gym here in Miami, and when I started to really That's so cool. Yeah, I started to fine tune uh, the progressive overload and track it all in a notebook. Is when I got my strongest ever. And then when I wasn't doing that, it's kind of just guessing and going through the motions and I didn't get the results I wanted to get. So that's a perfect example. That's free. And then if you wanted to get an aura ring, a whoop band, uh, a CGM is probably the best thing you can get to really fine tune your eating behavior and lifestyle behaviors to your, your glucose and, and insulin. See what stress does for you. And you don't have to wear a CGM for years or even months. You could just get a couple of 14-day cycles and get a really good idea of what's going on. And if you are diabetic or, or pre-diabetic or have diabetes in your family, you might be able to talk to your doctor and get a, a, your insurance to cover it, right? So have these conversations and, and see if you could do that. Hey, Keto Camper, I have a fun pop quiz for you real quick. How many sailors throughout history died from scurvy 
caused by vitamin C deficiency during the time of Columbus? Is it A, 20,000? Is it B, 200,000? Or is it C, 2 million sailors? All right, do you have your answer locked in? Drum roll, please. The answer is 2 million. Would you believe 2 million people had to die before we figured that out? Here's where it gets even crazier. There's a little known deficiency right now killing millions of people all around the world, and the disease it's causing is insomnia. According to a study published by Academic Press, magnesium deficiency is a leading cause in sleep disruption in both children and adults. The problem is, not just any magnesium will do. Recent studies have shown that there are actually seven forms of magnesium and our bodies need them in precisely the right balance for proper sleep. There's only one magnesium supplement on the market that has the full spectrum of all seven forms and it's called Magnesium Breakthrough. I gotta tell you, when I take this stuff, I just feel on. My body is finally getting something it's been desperately needing. To learn more, go to magbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code KETOCAMP10 to get 10% off your first bottle. If it doesn't fix your sleep, digestion, and energy levels like it did for me, or if you're not satisfied for any reason, they'll give you a prompt and courteous refund on the spot. They guarantee it. So head over to magbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp, use the code ketocamp10, and go get your mag breakthrough. We'll include the link in the coupon code in the notes down below. All right, let's go back to this conversation. Now we have the F. What is the F, Angela? F is for fuel. So now we're on to the nutrition. And the reason I called it fuel is because I think we don't just fuel our bodies through nutrition, right? So I like to think of flow. And so it's food, light, oxygen, and water. It's just easy. How do I get into flow? And so in terms of nutrition, that's obviously like a massive topic, food, isn't it? Because it's different for everyone. I don't think there is a perfect diet for everybody, but there is a perfect diet for you. And that's a combination of understanding. Like if you, again, if you have the budget and you can test some of your genetics to understand your sensitivities around carbs and fats and things like that, it's going to be really helpful. Understand, you know, are there certain SNPs missing in terms of detoxification? Do you need more B vitamins because your methylation pathways need support? I think that's really helpful for people but then also eating a more ancestral diet as you speak about is really important taking out processed food and really fueling yourself i think the overarching thing that i have here when we look at how you treat your body and how you implement the shift protocol is to treat yourself like an athlete that's the greatest gift you can give yourself because they hit all of these pillars and they nail them. And so if you can do that, you're going to nourish your body, you're going to sleep in the right way. And when we get to the T and we look at the body and mind, there's things they do there as well. So that is the food. And then light, we've spoken a little bit about this already with like red light therapy, infrared sauna, for example, getting outside, getting it for free. You know, light is bioactive in humans. We know that. We know that we need UV light to synthesize vitamin D, small amounts of it. We don't want to overexpose. But then we also have, you know, the red light, which is at the visible end of the spectrum, and then infrared, which is the energy of heat that we feel from the sun. We can't see it, but it kind of heats us up from the inside out, which is what happens in a sauna. This is very, very good for detoxification. The near and the mid 
um, infrared is amazing for mitochondrial health and enhancing energy production within our cells. So I think understanding you do need to get outside even in winter and expose your skin to light is a really, really important like healthy habit and behavior that you can do or use some of these bio or both use these, these light devices. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the O, yeah, yeah. is oxygen. <laughs> did you want me to go to the O? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I know. I, lo I love the light tips. You know, it's it's free to go outside. And if you wanted to get a red light, uh, I, I use it too. I highly recommend it. So the O, let's get to the O. So the O is oxygen, but really it's about air, right? It's not, It's it just fits with flow. It's about breathing. That's just a reminder. So understanding you want plenty of fresh air. You know, actually, if you have the window open, because even if you only have it a little bit open in the winter months, the way that light bends, it's going to come through. You're going to get the full spectrum, but also you're going to have clean air, having plants and things in your office. If you're, you know, in particularly in a commercial building, for example, but breathing nasally so that you're helping that nitric oxide production, getting that, you know, oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange and your organs really optimized is all really, really important. Uh, and the last one is water. Yeah, it's water. Just hydrating yourself properly. Um, I think it's so important. And staying away from things like plastic bottles, you know, filtering your water, making sure it's really clean, putting minerals in it. You know, I really like like the e-light from Body Bio. I'll put that in in the morning when I first wake up. I find that's really helpful. You know, I just find that even cognitively, it really helps me. So I think just understanding that and eating water-rich foods, okay, mm. or foods that have like what we call easy water, which is that fourth phase of water that I think Dr. Gerald Pollock discovered. You know, make if you put chia seeds and you make a chia pudding, right, what you're doing, you're correcting that gel-like substance is easy water, and that charges your cells. It's what your mitochondria use. So the more that you can eat your water as well, your body's going to hang on to it better. So cucumbers, things, water-rich foods, as well as hydrating with water, I think is really, really important. Terrific. I love I love the flow, the food, light, oxygen, water. It's very easy to understand. So awesome. And then the last one in the shift is tea. So let's talk about the tea. So the tea is to train your body and mind. And this is, I think, really key because this is the bit I missed, right? So as a lawyer, I was training my body, staying fit, but really just not really working on my mind and my mental health, my mental and spiritual health. And I think that's where I fell down because I didn't have the tools then when I became depressed to get myself out of it. So training your physical body is important. And I think, you know, it's very clear what we need to do for longevity, right? We do need to strength train because we need that to be able to maintain and build muscle mass at certain times, particularly if we've lost some. And it's so important for women and you're definitely never going to get big. Like if you're getting big, chances are it's because you have body fat on top of the muscle yeah. because actually muscle looks really nice. Muscle looks really sexy. Yeah. So it's uh, so definitely resistance training. And then you want to do some cardiovascular training, but I think you can build in your low intensity stuff just with loads of walking and moving around during the day, you know, walking dogs, having a treadmill desk. Everyone next to me that, you know, I'll go stand and work for a bit, going up and downstairs, making extra trips for things, um, and then just peppering in some high intensity work. So you really get that heart rate up and just exercise that power. You know, I can see when I look at people's genes, some people, you know, their power, strength and endurance ratios are different, but it doesn't really matter what yours are. You still got to cross train across the three. So making sure that you're doing that is going to be really, really helpful to you um, and keeping your body healthy. And the more muscle mass you have, the better insulin sensitivity you're going to have as well. I think people forget that it's an endocrine organ. 
It is. Yeah, it's a longevity organ. You're so right. And for the ladies out there, I used to get it all the time. I don't want to lift. I don't want to do squats, Ben. I'm going to get big. No, it's not. It's really difficult for women to get that big. You have to really put in the effort and be in a huge caloric surplus. So it's not going to happen. You're going to look lean. You're going to be fit. You're going to be healthier. So I love that. Um, and walking is so underrated. You know, get those 10,000 steps a day. Go for a walk after eating a, a big meal. Like stand up, sit, you know, sit down throughout the day. So underrated and, and so beneficial. I love that explanation of shift. So cool. We're going to put it down in the podcast notes and like detailed notes of what you just shared. Yeah, uh, so the last bit on that is train the mind. So just the, the T has two pillars, just the body and mind. So that's like your meditation, your breath work, your gratitude practice. Just make sure you don't neglect that because your, your mental health really impacts your physical health. It does. I always say you got to exercise before you exercise. It's like it's foundational, just like sleep. So yeah, gratitude practice, whatever it is, meditation, affirmations, whatever works for you, just have some sort of practice and stick with it because you become what you think about most of the time. And you could rewire your entire reticular activation system by focusing on things that you appreciate because what you appreciate, appreciate. So vitamin G, gratitude, strongest vitamin you could take. Uh, I haven't missed a day of writing down gratitude in six years. I have notebooks like just filled with gratitude. It's changed my life. I recommend it for everybody. Um, final question for you is, I'm curious to hear how you got involved with Ben Greenfield and you became a Keon coach with him. So how did that go about? So that was, Ben was part of my journey when I was trying to get better. Um, I was, when I was trying to, re you know, researching everything I possibly could. And I got to listen to his podcast early on. And then he did something called the Superhuman um, Coach, I think. And I did his program very kind of distance wise. And then because I was in that loop, when he was looking for people to become a key on coach, I was like, this would be cool because he's going to teach it live. I get to hang out with him and spend time. And it was an amazing few months. Um, and then from there, after doing that, we still have masterminds with Ben and I'm a Ben Greenfield coach now. So just, it's kind of like, I love the way he's always at the cutting edge of everything. And so it's just having that time and a, a mentor that you can learn from as well, because the whole time I'm always taking new courses or studying yeah. like you, I can see all the books behind you, right? An avid reader. It's like, how can you just always bring yourself on? That's, that's the biggest thing for me. You're either, you're either growing or you're dying, right? And learning is such a big part of growth. Mm, so true. Yeah, you've got yourself a great mentor. I, I love Ben Greenfield. I think he's one of the most brilliant minds out there and he's constantly growing on the cutting edge. So it's so cool that you get to mastermind with him. You're, you're in good hands. That's for sure. I feel the same way about my mentor, Dr. Uh, Dan Pompa. I think same thing. He's always challenging me. I'm always learning something new. Every time he speaks, there's like nuggets of wisdom coming out. And I'm sure you feel the same way about Ben. So that's awesome. Where can the audience learn more about your work? You have your podcast, first and foremost. Go subscribe to the High Performance Health Podcast with Angela Foster. But where else can they check you out? They can go to my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com. But also, I guess I'm most active in terms of platforms on um, Instagram, which is Angela S. Foster. Someone else took Angela Foster. How wow. are you? Right? Somebody has mine too. Benazadi. I had to put the Benazadi. Yeah. <laughs> so annoying, isn't it? Yeah, how rude. Um, and then I have a Facebook group called Female Biohacker. For, so for any women listening, if they want to come in, I go in live in there. Um, yeah, and it's kind of a kind of closer knit community. 
there. Then obviously Instagram is just a huge platform. So that's Female Biohacker. Any of those touch points, message me. I'm always in my DMs. I do answer that my chat. Sometimes it takes a bit of time, but I'm always going get, to get, get back to you. Um, and so if you're then like, oh, what did you say about this? Just, just message me and I'll get back to you. That's awesome. We're going we're gonna to put all of your links in the podcast notes. We have Rachel that puts it together for us. So we'll also put your YouTube channel because I know you have a YouTube channel as well. Angela, I want to acknowledge you for all the amazing work you're doing. It's really cool. You know, your story is inspirational. I'm a guy and I was really inspired by how you were able to overcome those challenges after giving birth three times in four years, three C-sections, dealing with PCOS, dealing with depression, being burnt out as a lawyer and an investment banker. And you were able to overcome a lot. And it's really impressive. I'm so glad you didn't take your life. I'm so glad you chose the path of uh, choosing yourself and a better future because now look at all the people you're serving. And if you took your life, all the people you're changing, all the lives you're changing would have never happened. So thank you for choosing yourself and now choosing to serve humanity. And I am grateful for the collaboration. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Angela. She's so much fun. Her accent is great as well. I enjoyed it. And uh, you can learn more about her by going to AngelaFosterPerformance.com or heading to the resources down below. We put her social media handles and her podcast as well in the podcast notes. So go check her out. Send her some love. Let her know you listened to her on the Keto Camp podcast. If this episode was helpful to you, please share it with somebody you know, text it to them, post it on your social media, post it on your Instagram stories, tag us on it as well. When I see it, I'll share it to my stories. And please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really makes the show grow and reach more people. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.